3: In
4: three, two, one. Because if he has autism, like maybe he shouldn't be in this environment.
0: I was snapping like she is not interested in meeting with the opposition and she is hiding from
5: issues. So important that people are critical of what they see online and check people's credentials.
0: <laughs> We're the one for cork and ready to talk. Can
5: we just talk? Call 818 96 96 96. Extra WhatsApp 083-396-9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie
0: The lines are live. Let's
5: kickstart the conversation.
0: This is The Opinion Line with PJ
6: Coogan.
5: On Cork's 96fm.
6: I'm only messing. I do actually kind of understand it. There's two of my best friends are into cricket in a big way. One plays a little bit. The Duckworth Lewis method of calculating scores... It takes about three points actually to understand it fully, but they do average everything up. But that's not the point. The point is we won at the World Cup nice one 0- 0818 96 96 96, the number the text to WhatsApp is 083 96 96 96. and the email opinion at 96fm.ie lots to do this morning I must tell you I've been reading an article this morning about a bride uh, and she's gone and she's quite open about this she says she was the strictest bride in history her story's in one of the papers today, The Sun, I think. And I'll tell you about Her, her name is Jennifer. And then, an abs- um, I, I tell you something. Her, her husband is Christopher. And had I been his best, best man, I would have said, run. Run now. Keep running. And when you get to where you're running to, draw breath and run again. I'll tell you about that a little bit later on. Also, the chap, Tomás... Who found Aileen's husband's ring down in Garrettstown? We had that story on the opinion line last week. That ring had been missing for six weeks. And this Tomas fellow went out with his metal detector and he found it in a couple of hours. Just when you thought you couldn't better that story, we bettered that story. I'm telling you, you'll not believe how long this ring was missing. Seriously, you won't, like, you absolutely won't believe how long a ring was missing when he'd found it. 0818 96 96 96, that's all to come in a busy morning. But first of all, yesterday, you must remember I was talking to Kat on the programme and she was looking for a place to live. Kat's been living in Ireland for, as she said herself, half her life. She's in her 30s. She's from Poland originally. She's in her 30s. She's been living in Ireland for over 16 years. And she's looking to, to move house or rent a place at the moment. And she was quite shocked with some of the things that a prospective landlord wanted to know about her. Just reminding you again of our conversation yesterday.
7: Just that I am originally from Poland. I've been living here more than 16 years at this stage. And I mean, like, at every stage of my life, I'm constantly being asked the same question, where are you from? I mean, like, even though I spent half of my life in here, i feel like i'm locker in here and i believe i find Cork my real home mm-hmm. at this stage it's just a big question that you know it just kind of um it lights it lights um up in my head every time i hear it it just doesn't make me feel welcome in here at some stages and i mean like i don't mean to be rude or i don't mean uh, um i don't mean to brag about it it's just one of the things that's literally in my face And i mean like it shouldn't really matter when where am I from. I could be local. I could be from um, the other side of the world, mm-hmm. as long as I pay the rent on time. It shouldn't really matter, you know.
6: Yeah, I mean, you're living here half your life. You're 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 local, cat. You just a bit different <laughs> accent.
7: Yeah, well, I feel like it. I mean, like at this stage Cork has been more my home than Poland has ever been so I mean like I'm not saying I'm not rejecting the fact that I'm from Poland because I'm very proud of it yeah of course it's just that the amount of life that I've spent living in here going to school going to college now working you know it's just that. this is where I live. Yeah.
6: You also have a difficulty with being asked about your salary Uh, or being asked about whether you plan to have kids. Let's start with the first one. I would have thought, and I'm just saying that I would have thought knowing your salary is reasonable because they're looking to know, can you actually pay the rent?
7: Well, it could, but I mean, like, on the other hand... I mean, the three key things that should really only matter to the landlord, homeowner, or the agencies, would I pay the rent on time, would the property be cared for, or would there be no complaints from the neighborhood? Because I mean, like, whatever I make shouldn't really make sense, because when I'm hunting for a house, I only look for something that, you know, I can afford with my budget. I wouldn't be looking for anything over to price that I couldn't afford, you know?
6: So that's cat yesterday going through those questions that she felt were obtrusive and felt were unnecessary and unfair uh, Graham, uh, you got in touch with us you are a landlord, we don't get too many landlords on the programme, uh, you don't agree with those questions you don't feel that Cat uh, should have been asked those questions
8: Morning Morning, PJ. Um, no, I mean, there was a couple she identified herself that she thought were reasonable enough. But, I mean, the list of different things she was asked, I mean, again, as a landlord, there are things that are none of my business. Hmm. I mean, asking if and when you start, you plan on having, having children. How, that, that is a ridiculously personal question. For, you, even, even the fact that a landlord would ask it, I find, I, I can't wrap my, okay, I'm not surprised by it, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, it can't be legal. And they just know the desperate situation that an awful lot of renters, given the current market, lack of supply, et etc., et cetera, et cetera, are mm. in. So they know people are taking advantage of that situation and that they can, they can ask anything. And people are under so much pressure to answer.
6: What about the where are you from question?
8: Well, I, I, again, I may be doing a disservice to the person who said it, um, but my automatic judgment it just seems racist to me. I mean, what the hell? I like my my current again. I I won't mention any names or anything. Nothing identifiable. But my current tenants were not born in Ireland. They're brilliant, lovely people. Lovely interaction. Very nice family. My previous uh, tenants were born in Ireland. I would not say the same thing about was quite difficult. My tenants before that were also not born in Ireland. we not born in Ireland. Again, brilliant, lovely. Now, does that mean that all Irish tenants are difficult and I shouldn't rent Irish tenants? Of course not. That's mm. an anecdotal experience that you don't extrapolate out to a whole population because that's racist, xenophobic, etc., etc. Where they're from is irrelevant. Yeah. Do you ha- I, Are you okay with asking having a job? I am. Yes.
6: Yeah, well, I mean, you, you kind of need a job or some source of income to pay your rent, so that's a legitimate question.
8: Yeah, exactly. I, I, at least I would think, unless someone can correct me otherwise. But I would think that is a legitimate question. But the idea I need the exact name and address of your employer? No, I don't. Yeah. I need confirmation you work for X company in X place. Cool. That's you. You have a you have a job. Cool. No problem.
6: What about references, Graham?
8: I do ask for them. Um, I haven't. Um, as I said, the three tenants I mentioned. Um, first tenant, I asked for a refer. Actually, in fairness, them, they actually gave me the reference. I- didn't even ask for it um it was glowing reference, lovely reference. the uh next tenant um it was their, they were young enough and it was their first time renting so i was like yeah fair enough it, it is reasonable that you don't have a reference and um, the next family were not from the country um and i was yeah fair enough look i've met you a number of times you seem absolutely lovely. I, i'm willing to go on and just assuming that you are who you are presenting yourself as. Yeah. So in the last three, the three tenants, because prior to that, I lived in the um, accommodation myself. So in the three tenants I've had, uh, one had a reference, the other two didn't.
6: It's so unusual, Graham, to hear a landlord pick up the phone to take part in conversation like this, because you're often or so often seen as the bad guy. I think the point you're making is, it's questions like Cat was asked that makes you out to be.
8: Absolutely. I mean, um, and and not just even like those questions. Very, but there's also actions from landlords. I'm not going to pretend otherwise. Who, um, like, oh, I'm I'm selling the property. I need you to move out. The person moves out, and then they just jack up the rent and hire it out, out to someone and rent it out to someone else. They've never had any intention of selling it out. Are not returning deposits um again i had two tenants there was one instance where i didn't return the uh, the deposit it was incredibly heavily damaged and i had all the proof to show it far far more than the deposit was worth yeah person objected said they wanted to deposit i was like well if we have this objection we're ended up in court and you're going to owe me an awful lot more money i'm willing to just let it go yeah um, and that's where it ended tenant before that got every cent of their uh, deposit back and i would expect my current tenants because keep the property every bit as well as I did when I lived there and um, I would have no they ring me in the morning Graham we're moving out cool a little bit of notice would be great but they don't technically have to and they would get their deposit back but hmm. there are so many different actions by landlords that you know are they're not things you can stand over so do I understand people's dislike of landlords? I understand it yeah hmm.
6: how do you feel about things like eviction bans rent freezes calls for rent caps I mean is it is it hard to we know that the tax on you guys it is tough. Is it hard to make money?
8: Well, you see, can I turn and say I'm making a big profit? No, I can't. But on the other hand of that, sorry, being realistic about it, I own that property. When the tenant is in there and they're paying rent, they're covering most or all or sometimes more depending on you know, the different phases in the time I've had that property. Sometimes it didn't cover it at all. Sometimes it was a broke even. Sometimes I was making money. and um, Not a huge amount given the tax I have to pay back at the end of the year. Yeah, But to say that, oh God, I'm only getting by. Well, actually, no, sorry. All that money is going off the mortgage and the principal of the property you own. So by the time you get to whatever age, whenever that mortgage is gone, somebody else has paid all or most of that uh, property for you. And you then have a property worth an absolute, uh, especially in the current market, worth a lot of money. And you're not the one who paid for it. Yeah. So, I mean, if anyone claiming they're not making profits, sorry, no, no. You mightn't be making cash into your hand today. But the principal on your mortgage is being reduced, so you are making money.
6: You're, you're sitting on a pension pot for a lot of people, Graham.
8: Yes, that, that is, is that how I how I ended up in this situation with the apartment or the um, property? extra property? No, it's not. Um, I bought in good faith. I lived there myself, and um, the crash happened. I hadn't, I couldn't have sold it. I mean, it was worth a fraction, and I'm and I'm not talking a third, a small, much smaller fraction of what yeah. I paid for it initially. And for years, I lost money on it. But look, that was the situation. I couldn't afford to sell it. Things have come around now, um, and ultimately, I would think yeah, it's somewhat dovetailed with my own retirement. Uh, do I plan on retiring when that mortgage is gone? I do. And yeah. at that point, can I sell it and put that cash in my pocket? I can, or I can keep it and keep renting it. I can pass it on to my. I can do what I please with it. Yeah. So even if I was making a loss now, assuming I could afford to, and yes, you know, to live my life, then I'm still making long term. I'm still making a profit. Yeah.
6: Why do you think rent? And look, this is, you're a small-time landlord, what you charge your tenants is your business. I'm sure you're not ripping them off by the sounds of you. But what, what do you make of the massive
8: rents being charged, William? It's lack like of supply. It's the it demands of the market. I mean, it's leaving things open and the government not putting, not putting their hand on the scale. Um, and I think they should. So would I have any problem with rent freezes, uh, eviction freezes, all that kind of stuff? No. I'd have no problem with it. Um, the only stipulation I went and I think it's actually in the proposal, would be that if there was an eviction um, freeze, it would be, you know, if someone is not paying their rent, yeah, then there was that there would be a, ca- a caveat for that because, let's say, in that situation, could I afford to keep paying both mortgages? I could not. Um, but beyond that, as long as someone is paying their rent, if I was told, you can't evict this person as long as they maintain the property and pay their rent, you know, there's the other the other legal steps through which you can. But beyond that, you can't just evict them just because you want to. Yeah. You want to change the purpose of the, or the use of the property. They yeah, have no problem with that whatsoever. And I would take issue with any uh, landlord who does have an issue with that, in fairness.
6: The property people tell us that it's driving landlords out of the market.
8: I would imagine most of those property people aren't small, uh, small-time landlords. Yeah. If I had to guess, they're working for a company or who has multiple properties or something. I'm not saying it's not true but would i take all of that with a heavy pinch of salt because i think they have ulterior motives behind it yeah now mm. i'm open to be corrected and all that kind of stuff um but i said no I, I do make a profit off of mine. could i make more yeah but again i'm not painting myself with some Samaritan or anything I made it very very clear in however number of years i'm going to have a property that i have no mortgage on that i then own yeah that can be a constant source of income for me for the rest of my life yeah and that is how i look at it now i previously would have taken anything just to get out from under the debt of it but i couldn't and the situation has changed now to my advantage like, when I first put this property up for rent, um, I had to take the ad down within six minutes. Yeah. Dozens and dozens of people, and I, when I met the people to, you know, I met quite a number of people looking to move into the property first, and um, I would see no reason not to rent any of them. Yeah. They're all lovely, but you could see they're in dire states. And to be honest, the family I get, um, they have young children. That was the motivator doing giving them the property. Yeah. Straight up, everyone was going to pay the same amount, so that that was an issue. The issue was, look, I'm, this is also providing a home to young kids, All right. and that was it. And I feel, I feel, I mean, again, now I'm trying to paint myself as some martyr. No. <laughs> far, 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 far from it, but I, I do feel guilty. Then rent those other people, because they should have a home too. The government should freeze. They should ban evictions other than from the legal methods through which you can know. Yeah, you know, it shouldn't be able to evict someone just cause, just yeah. cause.
6: What if someone, like you you, you had a previous tenant that, that left the place in a bit of a mess. What about if someone is wrecking the place? Should you have the, the power to evict them then?
8: Yes. Yeah. I'm quite clear. I make no apologies for. um If someone is destroyed, and I mean seriously, I mean, I'm going the details about it, but uh, let's say the deposit <laughs> wouldn't cover a fraction of it, um, and was not paying the rent, and was making things very, very difficult for their neighbours, get the general idea yeah. Um. in that situation should you be able to evict a people as uh, someone absolutely but for any other reason other than those then you just shouldn't be allowed it, this, no that said that has to be temporary yeah Um. now can there be changes in legislation long term to make the process you know fair to everyone both landlords and to, more importantly tenants I would say and in that order like tenants first but n- not deliberately unfair to landlords Um. But I would lean very much towards the tenants, um, because they're the people who need the homes, obviously. Yeah. Um, but ultimately, look, we've got a government. We, we as a state, don't build homes. We used yeah. to build homes. Yeah. And, yeah. personal opinion, I think there should be a compulsory purchase order on derelict properties.
6: Yeah.
8: You haven't got a choice, no matter this is being bought, this is the value of it. You get, get your market values, you get your money. If you have a derelict property, it is it has been derelict for a number of years, you are not using it, then either you will use it or the state would buy it off you. And you won't have a choice. You won't have a choice. And I, I look, given the current circumstance, will that be unfair on certain people in certain circumstances? Yes. But will it be a broad good? Because within, now again, see, this is a long, medium term solution, because then you've got to get a company in that does all the billing. I think it should be a state agency. I don't think it should be privately. It should yeah. be state, it shouldn't be for profit like does uh, hashtag Ireland on Twitter does a great example yeah. just around Cork yes it's uh, I mean but there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of them we don't have a, ho- a homelessness crisis we have a housing crisis there is more homes than there are homeless people that's the truth and, and, I, and that's not just including families that's counting each individual needed a home like every little kid needed a home obviously they need one collectively but there if you gave every homeless person a house from those derelict properties there'd still be loads of derelict properties
6: that kind of sums it up
8: yeah Graham
6: your contact is to continue a conversation I think you've broadened it out in many other directions I appreciate you doing that thanks
8: very much not about it, PJ nice talking to you Max
6: and to you Graham we don't get too many landlords calling us uh, certainly none that are as forthcoming as, as Graham anything there that he's saying that you know you'd like to take him up on Particularly the questions that a cat was being asked, and he said straight out, a lot of what you were being asked was absolutely none of the landlord's business, none that ever was. Um, John says, "What's the hype about it? About the questions? I mean, I find most of them very reasonable. Many of these questions have to do with the tenancy being stable. People who have children tend to move. I've been out foreign. I was asked these types of questions." when I was abroad, maybe you were John and maybe you had no problem with them but as Graham said, as an individual renting a property to somebody it's none of your business whether they plan to have children it's none of your business who their employers are, it's none of your business many of the questions that Cat was being asked and that's one landlord telling me about what he feels about the questions another landlord is is asking and the as Graham brings up the compulsory purchase of derelict Properties, You know, that house there that you've had for 10 years, 12 years, 5 years, 2 years, 3 years, lying idle. You know, the ones out, go out through Blackpool, back to Blackpool there near the Baldy Barber's Place and drive in along. You'll find properties there with trees coming out the window. They've been lying derelict since forever. Drive around the north side of the city and the south side, but particularly, and I'm not, this isn't coming down on the north side, but there's a lot of dereliction on the north side of the city. Every single one of those buildings has an owner. And Graham's point is, you go to the owner and you say, this is the council here. You either lose it, use it or lose it. If you don't use it within 12 months and show us your plans to use it, we'll buy it at market rate and you'll have no choice. We're taking it over. Let's expand the conversation, if you want, with Graham and what he's been saying this morning. 0818 96 96 96.
0: Simon Murdoch and the best music mix
5: Weekdays from midday on Corex 96 FM
1: All the big names are here with me every afternoon Hello, I'm Liz Capaldi Hey,
5: this is Rihanna Hey, I'm Dermot Kennedy What's up, y'all? I'm Beyonce
1: Keeping things moving for you when you're at work When you say you're working from home now Do you mean you're actually just sitting there in your pyjamas watching Netflix?
5: <laughs> <laughs> hey Giggle tells me all I need to know He's in the background. Like. Vouchers, cash, tickets, I've got the away. <laughs> music, oh my God, sure to thank you so much
0: in the afternoon in Cork make sure you're here with me, Let me show you what it's all about Send it out. Simon Murdoch midday to 4 pm on corks 96 FM
6: we've had a lot of people contacting us about Tomas, the the chap who finds lost jewelry on the beaches and we thought that last week we'd hit the best story of them all with Aileen and her husband's ring that he bought in Lebanon nearly 40 years ago and lost down in Garrettstown, and they'd, they'd give it up on it because it was missing for weeks, and, and Tomas found it. We thought we couldn't best that story. <laughs> we have done. First of all, though, got to remind you once again, we're with Cork Dental Care all this week here in Cork's 96FM, Cork Dental Care down on Union Quay. Every day we have a Philips Zoom home whitening kit. Cork Dental Care, helping you achieve an award-winning smile. See corkdentalcare.com. I want to know who this is. These are cork moments that made us smile and show off our wonderful gnashers. But I just want to know, who is this? Text to WhatsApp your answer. 083 396 96, 96. we we'll pull a winner just before the end of the show today. Who is this?
9: If you're not going anywhere, any chance of a fish supper? F*** off. that's a good one you want to try it again it's easy if you're not going anywhere any chance of a fish (laughs) supper? (laughs) f***
6: who's that 0818 or 083 rather 3969696 let's hear it again later on there's a bad accident between Dunnybrook and Carrigaline on the back road there by the time you get to it there's no room to turn back so just be wary and be avoid that road over the next while, let's hope there's no one too badly hurt. We don't know exactly where it is. I know the road reasonably well. But by the time you get to the accident, there's no room to turn back. Thanks. 0818 96 96 96. So last week, Aileen told me the story. She was down in Garrettstown with her husband. He had a ring that he'd bought when he was in the army in Lebanon. And he lost it. And he'd had it for such a long time, and huge sentimental value, and all of that. And they'd given up on it, practically. And then they contacted this chap, uh, Thomas Yuhas, who, the man with the metal detector, he has such a reputation at this stage, Thomas Yuhas, and he found it. And they were amazed that he was able to find it. And uh, Alien was telling me about that. Thought we couldn't best that. Then we picked up on another story, uh, on the Ballin colleague hub Facebook page. Uh, Laura Franklin joins me um, from from Wexford. Laura, you've your own story. Good morning.
2: Good morning. How are you?
6: You heard the story last week, and and now you've told your own.
2: Yes, I just happened to be scrolling on Facebook on Sunday evening, and I came across post. I went in and had a little bit of a look at it. It had a similar story to my own, and I just reached out to the mass, not thinking anything would come of it and here we are
6: So when did you lose the ring or who lost the ring?
2: So I lost the ring in August 2020 um, on Myrtleville Beach I think is what it's called Myrtleville, yeah um, I just yeah. happened yet to be in the water and I wouldn't mind but I don't even like the water but this day I just happened to go into it and the ring slipped off my finger and it was instantly it just it disappeared under the sand I couldn't find it right. um, and the ring belonged to my mum and it was very you know sentimental um, but yeah, it went missing, and I thought that was it. Wouldn't see it again.
6: So that was August of 2020.
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Two years ago, yeah.
6: So two years ago, and you reached out to Tomás on hearing the story from last week.
2: Yes. Yeah. it just, you know, when something kind of resonates with you. Um, and as I was reading down through it, it was like, Jeez, that kind of sounds similar to my own story. But, you know, I thought, well, that, that person had got their happy ending. Um, I wouldn't, because it was over two years. But I just said, you know, something in the back of my mind I said, just just reach out, you know, if you don't know You won't ask
6: So tell me what happened
2: um, So in terms of what happened
6: You, con- um, you contacted him and I'm, yeah. I'm sure you said Look, it was two years ago kind of thing
2: Yeah, so I, I explained the story to Samas that I had lost the ring And how much it had meant to me Because since um, August 2020 My own mom had passed away okay. And, you know, it was one of those things Where I just felt such guilt um, Over losing it yeah. And I reached out, I explained to him the story. And um, the Sunday evening, he said to me that he would get in contact the next morning, not doubting him, but I kind of thought possibly I would hear from him again. And um, then Monday, yesterday, he messaged me to ask me where exactly on the beach I thought I had lost it. Yeah. And I was able to explain to him the area, even though it was my first time and only time on the beach, where, you know, in and around where it was. And I'd say within two minutes he sent me a message to say, when can you pick your ring up? And I was in shock. I was, I was Stop, writing... stop,
6: stop. That yeah. that quickly?
2: <laughs> that quickly, yeah. Um, and I was writing back a message, kind of saying, you know, what do you mean, when can I collect the ring? And as I was writing the message, the picture of the ring sitting on the beach popped up and, like, literally, I was overcome with so many emotions. I just, I didn't know, <laughs> I didn't know if this was real or not.
6: So, hold on. You lost this in August 2020. Yeah. This is October 2022. Yeah. yeah, and he found it in minutes.
2: Oh, I say, yep, definitely minutes. Yeah, and <gasps> he has explained to me that he was coming from Kinsale, and I, I, you know, I'm from Wexford myself, but I think that's a bit of a spin from there to Myrtleville Beach. It is. Um. So even you know, even the fact that he took it upon himself to go there and check, you know, that just what what a what a man. You know incredible but yeah. what's
6: what's amazing, Laura is like Myrtleville has had a very busy summer. We've had a beautiful summer. Myrtleville's yeah. one of our most popular beaches. It's yeah. been packed, and there under the sand. Yeah. was your ring? Yes
2: yeah. How many people
6: must have walked over it
2: and that's the thing I had said to him when i was when I was contacting him that the ring itself, the stone on it was very it was very big, very heavy and I just, you know, I, I thought to myself right, what's the chances that this is just after sinking as opposed to like floating out into the sea yeah. so it obviously had just compacted under the sand he had said to me he found it in between, in between rocks, which is where I thought I lost it um, and that's that's where it was
6: That's remarkable yeah, It is Absolutely remarkable Yeah so so when, when will you get it back, do you think?
2: I am planning to make a trip down to Cork on Sunday to meet to mass and get the ring back. So I can't, the so weekend can't come quick enough.
6: My goodness me. And then you said you're going to go straight back to your mum's grave with it.
2: I am, yeah, because it, at the time, I didn't have the heart to tell her. She um, had just been diagnosed with breast cancer and had a mastectomy. Oh. And it was one of those things where, you know, I said... Maybe in a few years, when all this has died down, and when she stopped keeping me around the ears for it, we'll 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 laugh about it, and I tell her. Yeah. Um, but sadly, that that wasn't to be. But look, it has a lovely ending and a happy ending, and I'm forever grateful to Thomas because I never thought I'd see that ring again.
6: Do you know, I thought the ring from last week, which was a puzzle ring bought in in Lebanon and had been missing for several weeks, I thought that was a long shot, but. I cannot quite get my head around no. two years, more than two years.
2: Yeah, and I'm not, you know, I wouldn't be an overly spiritual person or believe in say too much, but I believe that I was meant to see that article and contact Tomas. It just, I, it just feels, it feels like it was meant to be. Remarkable
6: story, Laura. Yeah. Thank you so much for telling me. I'm thank sorry for so the much. sorry for the loss of your mom.
2: Thank you so much. Thank you so much.
6: And I, I bet you can't wait to be reunited with your ring.
2: I can't. I can't. Straight to the the jewelers to get it repaired then it's under lock and key for the foreseeable future and so who knows if there's, if there's ever a wedding we might take it out for the old blue and Borough tradition
6: <laughs> Laura lovely speaking with you thank you
2: thank you so much PJ and I just take this moment to say thank you to the community pages in um, Cork on Facebook that accepted my join request and also I can't say thank you enough to Tomas you know there's there's not enough words but I'm just I'm forever grateful to him
6: cheers take care
2: thanks so much PJ
6: isn't that remarkable isn't that just... Doesn't that take the... do mind the biscuit. That takes the coffee, the biscuits, the tea and toast and whatever you're having yourself. Two years and a bit, that ring is missing down in Martelfill, and he finds it in a few minutes. This remarkable man, Tomas Juhas. And there are many more stories out there about stuff he's found. That's fantastic. That's just... that. I think that's the... That'll, that's going to go into, I think, when we're looking back at the stories of the year, that's going to go in as one of them. Thank you again, Laura. 0818 96 96 96. Some sad news on the arts front. Very sad news, in fact. Next. Hello Aiden, how you doing? Alright, how are you? Right, you? Aiden, we're gonna to top off your bank account with two grand in cash, okay? Yes, great. That's, that's the plan. Bloomsday is associated with what Irish writer you said, James Joyce. The correct answer is James Joyce. Two grand yeah! <laughs>
0: Friday morning winner, Aiden
10: Newman, I, two grand. I don't actually believe, but I'm speaking to Yes. Unreal. Um, what are you going to do with the money? It might be nice to take the kids away for a few days over Halloween, maybe. We all love the show here in the every morning. Thanks, guys. Well done, buddy. Thanks, Thanks Rob. Stacking up the
0: cash. Yes. Cash. Yes. The two grand minute. Listen to play at 740 and 840 every day on Casey and Ross in the morning. Money. Cork's 96 FM.
6: Now, if you ever remember the masterpiece that was Disco Pigs, or you've ever wondered where Killian Murphy got his first break, the answer is uh, Corkidorka, and it's been around since since forever. And unfortunately, the announcement came in the last day or two that Corkadorka Theatre is to be no more. Paula is the chair. Paul, good morning. Good morning, PJ. Sad news, my friend. What's brought this about? Like I said, Corkidork has been there since since forever.
10: Yeah, we've been there 31 years and um, uh, making uh, making great stuff. And we wanted to make great stuff and continue to make great stuff. But um, um, coming out of, I think, like a lot of a lot, a lot of people, a lot of businesses, a lot of sectors, coming out of COVID was maybe sometimes a bit harder than being in COVID. Um, costs had gone up. Um, a lot of people had left um, had left the business, so we found it hard to recruit people, um, and even say things like putting on our last uh, production, the spin in Dublin, you know, uh, doubling or tripling of um, of accommodation costs, you know, really put a, put the squeeze on the budget, and um, and yeah, we sort of didn't, you know, I think for our for Pat, for our artistic director. He's, um, you know, he's, he's a great guy, great artistic director, great at budgets, but um, having to sort of constantly juggle the choice of will we have, you know, one more day's rehearsal, ooh, I could spare in that hotel bedroom, or ooh, will we do this? Yeah. We'll do this production because it's got five actors in it, but actually really I can only afford three actors. You know, those kind of decisions in the end sort of grind, grind you down a little bit and um, it just uh, became harder and harder and
6: harder. Yeah. It, it, it must be heartbreaking for everybody. I mean... If you've been at any kind of a Cork event or festival or or theatre festival in Cork or, you know, disco Disco Pigs, I, I described it exactly as I think it was a, mas- a masterpiece. Like yeah. you know, Cork without Corkedorka, man. I know, I know. It's um, but we hadn't been
10: able to make the really big spectaculars for a number of years. You know, yeah. post um, post the crash. I mean, you're. You know, closing down Washington Street and uh, opening up the courthouse for the Merchant of Venice. You know, that's um, that's a that's a big undertaking. We'd have loved to, but um, uh, you know, it's hard to put that kind of show together and get those kind of funds these days.
6: Yeah. Well, look, I hope everybody will will find uh, a place to go. I know Finn went to the Cat Club. Was it last year? That's right. Yeah. 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 And good luck with her. Yeah. And and everybody else will hopefully find. Find somewhere within the industry. Yeah, but, uh, Pat is, is staying in theatre. He's taking a, a, a break for a few days. It's been pretty intense for the last week or so. Um,
10: um, but he's, he's taking a break, um, and he'll be back. And I hope we can. this will prompt some conversation around the city about what we want to do with arts and what we want to do with theatre and the value of them and so on. And... Okay. Um, yeah, that would be great.
6: OK. I hope that people who, who know far more about it than I, am just interested, will go into this in more depth and we don't have something else happening like the closure of Corky Thank you very much, Paula Donovan. And uh, please give my regards to everybody and to say thanks, thank you to them for the remarkable entertainment over 31 years. Thanks, Paul. 0818 96 96. 96. Speaking of entertainment and remarkable entertainment, if you have an evening to spare tonight because it finishes tonight only running for two nights and you want to laugh and you want a little think and you want maybe to shed a tear because uh, it is all of those things it's very funny it's quite sad and it certainly is thought-provoking I speak of a new play called Heaven which is from Fishamble I went to see it last night at the Air it's a two-parter there's two people but they're never on stage together, except at the very end. Now, that's not a spoiler. It's about a couple whose marriage has is a bit old and tired, and they go to a wedding. And they meet up with old friends from home at the wedding. But they're never on stage together. You'll laugh, you'll cry, and you'll think. And it's well worth going along to see it. A new, new production by uh, Fishamble, written by chap called Eugene O'Brien. You'll enjoy that if you go along tonight. 0818 96 96 96. Yesterday was, or last week rather, I was talking to Donna Ahern. Uh, Donna's twin sister Susan died quite suddenly last year. And Donna was telling me about the problems she's having getting Susan's profile off of social media and some of the difficulties she's been having with that
11: due to the fact that she set up her account in the UK, I think the walls that are in place are due to Brexit. Now, that's all I know. But yeah, um, it's something that none of us realised, you Mm. know, that we would be met with this um, request to find a US attorney now. You know, I I don't have many contacts in, in the US, so... I'm sure a lot of us don't. And, yeah, that's what we we were met with.
6: Because you believe, and you want to get into her Gmail, because you believe that Susan might have a will in there.
11: Yeah. Yeah, because at the end of the day, we all receive all kinds of correspondence with, you know, electricity or landlords and so on. All of her utility bills would be sent electronically now. Any kind of correspondence, you know, of the seriousness that would relate to a will would have been sent to her electronically and I I can't access her Gmail account at all.
6: And it's amazing, uh, you know, because uh, Donna, I'm sure you've tried this. Google have a massive Irish operation
11: huge yeah and I you know where I live in Dublin I, I live very near the complex and and I'm not getting any kind of oh response from an Irish correspondent here So and you're looking at you're looking it's the at, same at the with building. Facebook
6: you're looking at this enormous I'm, I'm building.
11: looking at the building I have to pass it every day when I'm on my way to work
6: and they want um, you to get a lawyer in the. US to talk to them there.
11: Yes exactly.
6: That's crazy. So
11: um crazy. and even I I asked if I got an Irish solicitor, would that be of use? And I was told can get an Irish solicitor, but basically it would act as a, a middleman. Whereby if I get a, an Irish solicitor, the Irish solicitor would have to get in touch with the US attorney who will then in turn um, presented to the U.S. court.
6: There are
11: so it's just in... I'm I'm paying extra.
6: Now the only thing we said we could do f- for Donna was maybe reach out to people that we know, and to see what they would have to say. Ronan Murphy joins me, group group chief exec at Smart
1: Tech. Ronan, this doesn't make any sense. Good morning, Hey PJ, Good morning. Um, you look. It's it's you really have to feel for Donna, and it's a it's it's a terrible. Um, situation she finds herself in but um, you'll know from speaking with me in the past that I'm not a big fan of the the big uh, social media giants and and how they handle their customers whether it's an Instagram account being hacked or a small business losing all of their social footprint Mm. typically the level of um, support and help you get from them is is little to none Mm. I would say.
6: But this Um, this is Google this is a major internet provider she just wants to get her sister's email
1: yeah, so so um, wh- where the problem exists here, right, and it is a very complex problem, is that um, these large uh, technology companies are now trying to turn privacy into a business. They're trying to turn it into a competitive advantage, right? So even when you look at um, major incidents in the U.S. that have, to a degree, may have uh, had ter- terrorism links, Apple has refused to provide the information to the FBI insofar as they've refused to provide encryption on the devices that were yeah, being used. Pin numbers, so pr- yeah, yeah. yeah, correct. So, so privacy has become hugely important. And um, the other, no, and and uh, don't get me wrong, I have zero sympathy for these companies, but I'm just going to explain some of the problems that they face. So, so privacy. Um, They have to be very careful in terms of how they set precedents of how they provide access to people and so forth and how they validate that it's all real given the scale of the customer base they have. Um, Second, The second issue is that you have lots of different regulatory mandates across different jurisdictions, which unfortunately don't. Um, look at each individual scenario and the, the issues that, that that's causing for, for the likes of Donna, right? Um, such as, you know, you've got GDPR, you've got the California Consumer Privacy Act, you've got, you obviously have, the, as Donna touched on, you've this Brexit issue now, you've got data residency in different countries and all of that data has different um uh, security protocols or governance protocols which sit on top of it, and therefore, because of the scale and the, the velocity of requests that these type of companies will receive they 'll simply push it back to the lawyers and they 'll say, "Look, if you want to get access to you know sensitive information then you you need to follow a specific legal track yeah. in order to access that information, like they said to donna and it's a i mean it 's a horrible situation to be in." Um, it'll probably re- require getting a specialist U.S. attorney who deals with these matters representing her to, uh, to Google and then getting access to that data, you know. And, so um,
6: that's the bit I mean, that I think is confusing everybody, Ronan. certainly is confusing me. Okay, so, so Susan lived in the U.K. And, and her account was set up from there. Google have their, correct me if I'm wrong here, European headquarters in Dublin. Which Donna walks yes. past every day on her way to work. Why does she have to go to America to get a lawyer?
1: Yeah, yeah it's 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 where the um it's where the data resides. So, for example, if Google are storing that data in their in a US data center, and um the 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 regulations that they apply to that data, let's say for example, it does one called the CCPA, which is California California Consumer Privacy Act, because that's where. That's where Google, um, are, were founded and set up and so forth. And um, oh, so, no they'll, matter they'll, what
6: you put into Google, where you put it in, anywhere in the world, it goes back to the same place. Yeah, exactly.
1: So, so they're always, they're always going to they're all and again, right, not defending Google in any way, sort, shape, or form, because I think their, their behavior is deplorable, right? But they're always going to uh, fall back to the legal stance on this, given the volume of, requests that they will get for people to access accounts for various different reasons. Maybe it's litigation, maybe it's somebody dying, you know, many terrible situations. Um, but in, in all of those situations, they will revert to type, which is to push to the legal people, you know.
6: So is there any way that Donna can, can do this without it costing her an arm and a leg?
1: Um, I, unfortunately, I would say the only way to do this is to get... Legal representation to approach Google for her. That 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 in 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 the 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 hundreds of scenarios I've seen dealing with the Facebooks and the Googles and all of these major technology companies, you're falling into a void irrespective of how hurtful or upsetting the situation is, you're falling into a void with tens of millions of other users who are dealing with problems trying to access accounts or hacked pages or or lost passwords. Isn't it a complex
6: and unfortunate truth here, Roland, that really, no matter how private your stuff, somebody should always have your access? 100%. Oh, absolutely, unequivocally, yeah. Um, which kind and, of, and it, it, which kind of, you know, privacy that knocks privacy on the head?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, it's it's the old adage: you you're either paying for the product or you are the product. And the reason people have all of these things for free is that they're the product. And then when they, you know, when 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 you go to Google and you go to all of these companies trying to get help, you know, it's it's tough. They, I mean, they do not look after their 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 uh, their users. All right. um, and that, that that you you know you've talked about this hundreds of times on your show, and most of it is around hacking and when people are in 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 a low web as a as a consequence of something going wrong in the digital world. But you definitely can fall back on these people to help you. You know, that's dreadful. Thank you for for your advice, uh, Roland. I know that there
6: isn't a whole pile you can do for her, but thank you for your advice. She'll have to go down the legal route. She'll have to find a lawyer to take on Google to try to get her sister's email password thanks Ronan, that's Ronan Murphy uh, from from Smart Tech unfortunately no quick solution uh, for Donna but the advice is keep your password write it down, give it to someone put it somewhere so that in the event of, of you not being here all of a sudden, somebody can find your password who would you trust with that I wonder
0: the lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call
5: 0818 96 96, 96.
0: Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96, 96
5: Email opinion at 96fm.ie.
0: The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan.
5: On Cork's 96FM. I'll
6: come back to some of your messages on properties and rent and landlords and my conversation in particular with Graham. Earlier this morning, some differing views on that. Also, we don't know yet what the story is or if there's been any change with regard to that crash between Douglas and Carrick Line on the back road through Donnybrook. All we were advising people to do in the last hour is just avoid that road if you can, because by the time you get to the accident... There's no room to turn, just hoping that nobody has been badly hurt. Can I wish very good luck or very best of luck today to the people from Debenhams, Valerie from Debenhams, ex-Debenhams, Valerie Connolly was in touch, to say that their WRC case is on today at long, long last. It was April 2020 that Debenhams closed. They're in the WRC today, contesting their notice and consultation uh, so they're up in Dublin, and uh, good luck with that, lads. Good luck with that. I hope it goes well for you. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. The number, the text or WhatsApp is oh eight three three ninety six ninety six ninety six. And your email opinion at ninety six of m dot i. I'll come back to you. I told you earlier on I'll get to this, and I will. If I get to nothing else today, I'll get to this bridezilla who's proud of it. I mean, this woman is a nightmare. And if if, if I was her, her husband's best man, I'd have said run and keep running. And when you get there, run some more. However, I promise I'll come to it. But on Monday, Monday we started the week talking to John Murray. Uh, John and his daughter Sophie are going through a terrible time. At the moment, they were sitting watching a movie in their house in Shanagari about a week ago and the next thing they know they're standing out on the street outside watching their home burn to the ground and uh, John was talking to me about how their house is completely destroyed. He was more concerned about his neighbours and what they were going through than he seemed to be going through himself. Yes, insurance will, will cover things down the road but they've lost so much. Little knickknacks and possessions and memories and all of that, but at least they're safe. And we're chatting to John, and you can clearly tell he's devastated, just des- for- dreadfully upset uh, by by all of this, and and, and will struggle now for a little while. And they're being looked after by friends and family and and all of that. But we got an email from Darren. Uh, Darren, I think you and and uh, is it is it Ronan? You're his neighbours. Morning.
12: Hi, PJ. Yes, hi. Um, Lo- lovely yeah, email you sent us. Lovely emails. Oh, thanks.
6: Tell me about John. You're his neighbours, yeah?
12: Yeah, so John and Sophie live next door to us and they've always been fantastic neighbours. We get on really well with them. He's a lovely man and Sophie is a lovely child. Mm. Um, you know, we, we chat regularly. We, you know, he's he's we feel safer having him next door to us. You know, yeah. he's just a really dependable lovely guy and a guy who wouldn't take help easily from other people he's always trying to offer help yeah even even, even when when he was at
6: me on monday he was thinking more about you and the people on the other side oh my
12: god yeah you know he spent i you know my my heart breaks for him because he's he's going around apologizing to us for the inconvenience which it, it only really is for us um that we've been put through and uh the people next door and really, he has nothing to apologise for. You know, I I was with him when it all happened, and I, I I had to. It was just horrible watching him stand there, watching his his whole life burn down. Mm. Um, yeah, it was it was just really de- devastating. And and Sophie as well. Um, you know, she <laughs> I, I remember she was running around, running around with me, uh, panicking. I was trying to kind of mind her while we were trying to sort things out. And. Yeah. You know, I was panicking. All the adults around her were freaking out. Yeah. And the poor little girl, you know, she went through a, a horrendous night. And we feel desperately for them. And so do all of our neighbours. You know, the outpouring of support from so many of our neighbours has been extraordinary. Um, yeah. Sorry, I don't know why I'm getting emotional. It's yeah. kind of, I actually haven't got that emotional. But it's just when, when I heard you explaining John's situation, yeah. it just... Um, yeah, no, just, it's it's, it, it's, it's really impossible. As
6: I said, I after I spoke to, to John, I, remind, I was reminded of a time when an old neighbour of ours <clears throat> had a house fire. And, and I went yeah. down to see them to see if we could arrange any bit of help for them. We weren't living there anymore. And yeah. just to see the devastation of a home that has been... Dis- yeah. let's, let's, not, not, let's not use the word house here, Darren. Let's call it yeah. what it is, a home. Your home is devastated by this fire. And you're left there yeah. in the ashes and the smuts and the dirt. And you're wondering, where and do you, I start?
12: And you can see the sky through his ground floor. Like, it's, the, it's like it was apple cord from the centre of the whole thing. So quickly, it, it was an absolute conflagration. And I will say one thing that's particularly painful is that John had recently got new floors that he's scrimped and saved to get. Lovely new floors put down. He had the, the lounge painted downstairs. He was so proud. He was showing us around. You know, he did up Sophie's room. And, you know, just, of course, at any time it's devastating, but it just feels so cruel yes, that yes. it happened. You know, just when he had... Um, and he's often said to us that this was his forever home, that he'd saved so hard for it. Yes. And he was he's very house proud. Yes. did up his back garden recently. You know, it's just... Um, it's just so saddening.
6: You know, he has insurance and that'll sort itself out yes. in the fullness of time, but you won't replace a lot of the stuff that, that's lost. Now, you you emailed us for a couple of reasons. One was to thank yeah. the firefighters.
12: Yes, I, I really want to thank the firefighters. So there were about six trucks at the scene. Um, it was very dramatic. They battled the fire for nearly four hours and, um, John's house was probably not savable, but you know, it it went up so quickly. But they they tried so hard to save uh, m- my home, and the home the other side of of John's, and they did so successfully. And and by God, they had they had their work cut out for them because it was very windy. We had no, none of the torrential rain that was up in the city, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, and and they were incredibly helpful, you know, very kind and compassionate, kept us informed. Um, and they saved our house they they really saved our home you know we're just looking at water damage smoke damage you know a bit, tiny bit of fire damage but you know really no, we're not looking at the ashes of our yeah. of our irreplaceable personal items yeah yeah
6: also i think you say that when he was on with me john was a bit humble with regard to what he needs they are devastated yeah. they have nothing left
12: yeah, he's going around like a ghost, PJ. He's 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 just so shocked, and you know I've obviously been uh, meeting him outside our houses uh, over the last week, and he's just he he's uh, he's he's got so many decisions to make, so many things going on, insurers to deal with, etc. etc. But he's he's he seems much more concerned about how we're doing and offering to help us. Can you imagine? Um, and 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 really, I felt when he was speaking to you on Monday, I just wanted to shout out of the the airwaves and say um, to your listeners, please help this man because you know we we've managed to find accommodation, short uh, cause our we are only out of our house for six months or thereabouts, whereas you know he's looking at twelve months plus, and it's really really difficult to find accommodation. I so, thought. All the neighbours around here have been organising on WhatsApp what groups and whatnot, trying to find him a place. But I just hope that if by reaching out to your listeners, somebody knows someone mm. who may have a holiday home, uh, you know, a home that's a house that's unoccupied for some reason, and would they just um, find it in their hearts to, to uh, you know, give John and Sophie a home for, especially for Christmas. Yes. Um, and of course, the insurance will cover the rental costs and all of that. It,
6: it literally is why <laughs> their home place is being, is being sorted.
12: Yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah, no, he's. I mean, they want to get back into their home as soon as possible. Um, uh, but sadly, it's going to be a long road for them.
6: There's a, there's um, a GoFundMe has been in place, which we shared on Monday and we're happy to share again now in case there's any few quid out there that might help them. But what they really need is someone to come forward. Like you said, uh, a holiday home somewhere, I mean East Cork, thinking of somewhere down maybe around Yall or that area that some people would have a holiday place that they might just let let him have for the few months and the, the rent will be covered by insurance. All this will be covered.
12: Exactly, and you know, and I, I can vouch for him being a, a like a very house proud person. You know, he he keeps kept his own place beautiful. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, he, he's a very decent man, um, and uh, you know, if 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 they could find a place to stay. You know, I'm, I'm sure he's got a lot of paperwork to sort yeah. through now and loads of decisions to make. When I, and, I saw his you know,
6: picture, uh, Darren, I realised, myself and Fergal both realised, we, we actually, not, not well, but we knew him of old through our our, our, our late yeah. friend Ted Dunn, do you know?
2: Oh, uh, involved gosh. in the mu-
6: music business and entertainment and all that. And, uh, you, you, your yeah, heart goes gosh. out to anyone like this. There he is watching his house burn down. And like you said, he's such, a, such an understated fella. That he's more mm. concerned about you than he is about himself.
12: Yeah, absolutely, and that's why um, I just felt strongly that I, I wanted to 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 uh, email you and, right. and and ask just to to, to reach out for. Well, him. if anybody in the and
6: general I, in the general East Cork direction, Middleton, Shanagarry, Ballycotton, Yall, any or anywhere really, can help yeah. out for a few months for a father and daughter who will look after the place, the rent will be covered you'll get it back when his own place is done because he doesn't want to hold on to it he just wants to a place to stay for a few months and place to give his lovely little girl a Christmas
12: yeah yeah and, you, and, uh, it's, you, you. PJ, Go. sorry, I just wanted to say really quickly, sorry. I, don't want oh, to, no, I just want really want to, talk to uh, thank the local police as well, particularly our local guards and Ballycotton, who was wonderful and as, called us to check we were okay. And uh, Trevor in our estate, who's, the, who's an ESB engineer who de-energised the estate and prevented more fires from electricity and electrocution and whatnot. And also our beautiful lovely neighbours, they have been amazing and I just okay. wanted to make sure I thanked all of those people okay. But, uh, yeah.
6: <laughs> okay, and you you yourself, Darren, are you are the definition of a good neighbour that in your moment of, of trouble, oh <laughs> you, you emailed us to reach out about another guy thank you so much for that, that's Diren and my best to Roland and the, and the family, they're in Shanagari neighbours of John and, and Sophie Ray, who lost their home Uh, a week ago in that terrible fire. We have the GoFundMe up again on our Twitter. Uh, If you want to throw a couple of quid in that. And if anybody's got a place in East Cork, well, anywhere, but particularly East Cork, that, you know, you might use it in the summer, that you'd give it to John and to Sophie for a few months. The rent will all be covered by insurance. He'll look after it. He'll take care of it as if it was his own. And the minute his own place is ready, he'll give it back to you and hand you back the keys with words of thanks. Can you help?
0: PJ Coogan on the opinion line. Silver winner. Silver winner. Best news story at the Imro Radio Awards 2022. Cork's 96 FM.
6: Right, bunch of correspondence to clear, which I'll do in a minute or two. But first, to remind you again, we're with Cork Dental Care, helping you achieve an award-winning smile. Corkdentalcare.com for all their details. They're with us all this week. On Corks 96 FM, and every day, a Philips Zoom Home Whitening Kit to give away. And we want you simply to tell us who's talking here. This is a Cork moments that made us smile. Who is talking
9: here? If you're not going anywhere, any chance of a fish
2: supper? F- <laughs>
6: His name and yours please, to 396 9696 Your Philips Zoom home whitening kit has a customised laboratory-made trays and six
9: tubes of whitening gel. And it could be yours at 12 o'clock today. Who, who is that? If you're not going anywhere, any chance of a fish supper?
6: <laughs> if you don't know who that is, should you even be allowed to call yourself a Carconian? Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. coming back to Donna and what Ronan from Smart Tech was telling us about Donna's difficulty in trying to get into her late sister's Gmail and uh, Google are not making it easier at all for her. Uh, this call says it highlights the importance of making a will and leaving it with your solicitor. Well, as Ronan says... You should always, somebody should always have have your passwords to access that which is important to you. So there's a a case to be made for that. And you give your solicitor your will and put your password into an envelope and seal it and give it to the solicitor. And say, look, if in the event of my death, if anybody needs to get into my stuff, there's, there's all my passwords. 0818 96 96 96 come back to Graham the landlord and the derelict properties and other such things that were raised in his conversation um, Graham got in touch following my conversation yesterday with Kat where she was upset by some of the questions being asked she's Polish but she's lived here for 16 years and she felt it's not fair to ask her where is she from she felt it was even a bit racist to ask her Where's she from? Hi PJ I'm listening to the Polish caller and yes she has a different accent the question she's being asked all the time is very hurtful in a way that she'll never feel happy here and it's a very exclusive kind of a question where are you from? There is no need to ask that question at all but it does happen a lot in various situations not just in the rental market listen to her song if you don't mind Denise Chyla That's Not My Name I Know The Song I Do Know The Song it does explain a lot, you're correct uh, thanks PJ that's from Selena who is a loyal listener and says she loves the show thanks Selena John, I think I read this earlier on but I'll read it again John said, what's all the hype about the questions I find most of them quite reasonable many of the questions have to do with the tendency being stable people who have children tend to move I've been out foreign in my time and I was asked those types of questions when I was abroad. And you might have been okay with it, John, but a lot of people aren't. On another issue, uh, you're talking about landlords and the right to a stable tenancy. But have you any idea how difficult it is to, for example, do up a bedroom, a bathroom with a sitting tenant? They, not unreason- unreasonably, want to arrange all access. But, but I can't get all the tradesmen to arrive by appointment. It's far easier to leave a few renovations, mount up, and then ask the sitting tenant to vacate. What? So why would you do that? Sit down and work with them. If you want the bathroom done up, sit down and work with them and work something out. That's, that's an excuse. That's someone looking for an excuse to vacate. I'm sorry now, but that's what that is. You can't get the bathroom done up because they, they want to arrange a schedule with the people coming to do the work. Well, why wouldn't they? Why, why wouldn't they want to arrange a schedule with the people coming to do the work? My relative is renting out a house to a young one. The tenant is after asking the council for a house near her father for years. There's one up there uh, that has been idle for five years, give or take, and it's owned by the council. If the council want to be taking houses off of people, they need to get their act together. <sighs> yeah, well, that was the point that Graham was making. There are houses idle all over the place up and down the city and county. And they've been idle for years. And Graham, as a landlord, was making the point that the council should go to the owners of these houses and say, look, that house has been idle for X number of years. You're doing nothing with it. We're telling you now, you've six months to do something or to commit to doing something. If not, we'll buy it off you. You won't have a choice. We'll pay you for it. We'll buy you off. It. We'll buy it off you. And we'll put someone into it who'll use it. And Graham is in favour of compulsory purchase if you're leaving a house to go to wreck and ruin. I wonder how people would would agree. Would you agree with that? That if a house is sitting there for a length of time, an unreasonable length of time shall we say should you be allowed, should the council be allowed to say "Uh, sorry bud we're buying that off you Oh, 0818 just clearing some correspondence from a few days ago there Eames before we go to the let's just go to Maria in a second this came in and I I, I didn't get to it I didn't get to it Fergal you might pull that statement that we got from boss and I, I don't have it to hand and I'll come back to it but this this woman got on to it. My apologies for the delay with getting with this. My kids get the bus from a city suburb and the driver won't give them any change. It's obvious they're going to school because they have a school bag on their back. He's charging him a full two euro because he says they look like an adult. The eldest is 16, but even at 16, if you're going to school, the fare is 90 cents. He's been charged two euro. My other two are twin boys and are 13 going on 14. They're completely different looking and I think that's the source of the problem. He doesn't believe they're twins and because of it he's doubting the whole story. He's charging the bigger twin 290. They don't have ID but it shouldn't be necessary. They've never been out of the country. The only definite proof that Bocera will accept is a passport or a driving licence. Obviously they don't have a driving licence. So this is the issue which comes up from time to time of teenagers getting a bus to school and the bus driver allegedly making a decision based on what they see in front of them and thinking well that's not a teenager they're not going to school but if they're in a school uniform carrying a backpack then surely they're entitled to be treated as a school child but this particular bus driver we know the bus route and we know the driver and we know everything else we we just can't name them from now for now they're charging the child full price because the driver says you look like an adult we did get on to bus here and they did give us a statement I'll come back to it in a while 0818 96 you might remember that last year I spoke to Maria Gillen. she's a storyteller from Cork and she was on her way and had been invited to take part in the Marrakesh International Storytelling Festival which took place in Morocco earlier this year. A huge event with storytellers from all over the world. Uh, Maria started telling stories with uh, Cork Yarn Spinners and with the Gab, which is a big storytelling group that meets quite frequently. And she is a magnificent storyteller and she's traveling again uh, to Morocco. So we're told. Maria, good morning.
13: Good morning, PJ. It was. We had an absolutely amazing time. And I suppose a standout memory for me was going through the souk with all of the storytellers. And the people at the stalls were so emotional because they hadn't seen any visitors in two years. And it reminded me of the English market, you know, the way the traders were out and the way they have been trading there for generations. Mm
6: -hmm. Remind us again, because people might have forgotten how you came to be there.
13: I became part of the World Storytelling Cafe after St. Patrick's Day 2020, when a whole load of storytellers came to Virtual Ireland to be part of our storytelling festival, we we'd been locked down three days beforehand, and in order to keep the storytelling tradition alive, all the storytellers came in from all over the all over the world, really. And we met some people that were starting the World Storytelling Cafe for Marrakesh. Yeah, and of course we we only knew one another online yeah. at that stage. Yeah, so we we met for the first time last February on the streets of Marrakesh.
6: What a place to meet for the first time. I
13: know. <laughs> it was just amazing. And you, you realise that story is a borderless world that everybody have their stories to tell. Yeah. And everybody is very proud of their storytelling traditions. You know, so... And it was it was great to be there representing Ireland.
6: There's there's two types of storytelling, isn't there? There's, there's telling traditional stories that have been told for for generations, and telling them in your own way. And then there's do we do we use the term making up, Maria? Or is that rude? <laughs> uh,
13: well, well, it is making up, you know. But but what I love about the making up is when you're making up between a whole load of people, and we call that co-creation and in fact i was up in um, at the fado fado storytelling festival in don and these 3 to 8 year old children blew me away with a story that they they magicked up called the, Autum- the autumnal forest right. imagine children coming up with that name and then making a story like that i mean it lifts your heart it's great yeah
6: Something happened in in Marrakesh, and there's a fascinating follow-on. Tell me about the Choctaw Nation and how that all came about.
13: I was always very interested in the um, in the story of the Choctaw Nation sending famine aid to Ireland. I mean, it blows your mind. And when I dug a little bit deeper, I found out uh, of their belief in the elegance of spirit, realizing that we're only a blip on the pages of history. So even though they were being herded down the trail of tears at the time and had their own trauma, they still had space in their hearts to think about these uh, people who were starving in a world that they would never see. Mm -hmm. And so they collected money and sent money across the sea. So I had to make a story about that. And um, so I wrote a story and I put it into the irishcentral.com paper. And now, of course, Tim Tingle is coming to
6: Cork. Tell us about Tim Tingle. Who's he?
13: So Tim Tingle is actually the storyteller for the Choctaw Nation. So he's their official storyteller. So stories are very important to the Choctaw people as they are to the Irish people. So this is like a, a story bridge between the two nations. And he's come and told stories in the Cape Clear Festival before. And now um, when he, he's coming to the Yarn Storytelling Festival in Bray, and uh, and of course is coming down to Cork for two days and Cork City Library and Cove Library have gotten behind this and I'm so grateful to them for that you know, so we're going to have two fantastic storytelling sessions uh, one in Cork City Library on the 21st of November Monday the 21st and the second in Cove on the 22nd which will be very special because the, um, the aid that came in from the Choctaw Nation came in through Cove. So look at that for a red thread of story. Isn't that amazing?
6: Wow! And of course, the the Choctaw contribution is recognised in that beautiful artwork near Middleton.
13: Yes, and it's called Kindred Spirits. And my story is called On Clan Clancayana, the same tribe, the same family, Mm -hmm. you know, and he's really excited to go back and see it. You know, because it's it's such a a symbol in our landscape of something that uh, that was very important to both of us. But do
6: you know what's extraordinary about it, Maria, is when when someone comes to Cork for the first time uh, and they're driving around. This happened with a friend of mine, and mm-hmm. said to me, "What's that about? What is all that about?" And I told yeah. in a very brief way the connection, and he looked at me with big wide eyes. He goes,
13: "I never heard that." It is an absolutely astonishing story, but I suppose the other astonishing thing is that it lives in our psyche, mm-hmm. you know, and it lives in our traditions. And when the Hopi tribe and the Navajo tribe put out a call for help in 2020, right. um, it rose up again because they started getting letters and emails from all over Ireland saying, right. oh, um, you know, kind of here. here's what we would like to give you because we're kindred spirits and we're the same people. And they were saying, what's happening? So even on the other side the tribes that weren't the Choctaw tribe hadn't heard of it and then they were mesmerised by this so it was um, and it made the news in the USA it made the coast to coast news I
6: remember covering it on the show at, at the time and being fascinated myself to hear the, the history now not only is this yes. going on Maria but they've invited you back to Marrakesh
13: they have. And we, we have a very special honour. So last year, they were looking for somebody to be the banatee, the host of the Irish-American night. And um, and I won the honour. I was delighted, you know. So this year, um, it will be beaming back to Cork. Uh, from Marrakesh and I'm the Banatee again and it's a hybrid session between America and Ireland to the world so it'll be the Irish stories and the American stories so it's a great pairing.
6: So you're going back to Marrakesh for a real live storytelling session which we can watch in Cork and they can watch in America at the same time. Exactly. Do you know what there are people who say did Covid actually give us anything I think it gave us that wonderful hybrid type event. We'd never have thought of it if if it hadn't been for COVID.
13: Absolutely. And of course, being storytellers, we've named it. So we've named it the silver lining to the COVID cloud. Isn't that great? I like (laughs) that. Yeah.
6: So you nearly call it the silver lining festival.
13: <laughs> exactly, the borderless one because it'll be coming up over in cyberspace. Do you know, so well, well, you, yeah.
6: you'll have to keep in touch with me and let me know when that's on so I can sit and watch it.
13: Absolutely.
6: And good luck with the visit of of Tim Tingle. That should be fascinating. Maria, thanks for being with me today.
13: Not at all. Thank you.
6: Maria Gillen. Oh wait, one eight. Ninety six, ninety six, ninety six, thanks Maria. I'm looking at this and I'm telling you this now with my fingers crossed and me toes crossed and anything I can cross crossed. We may have a lead for John and Sophie. Uh, we got a lovely phone call from a gentleman who was listening to me talking to Dirren and he may be able to help them with accommodation. We've no Information other than that uh, yet we've well, put them in contact there's a an apartment a fine spacious apartment near to where they live at the moment so we'll see we'll see what comes out of that, but it's brilliant and thank you so much to that gentleman oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six on the questions people are asked when they want to rent a house or an apartment. Again, coming back to Cat's call yesterday and Graham's call this morning, effectively saying that some of the questions Cat was being asked were absolutely none of the landlord's business. And Graham's the landlord himself. John O'Donovan was on. He said, you may or may not like the type of questions being asked, but when you get into telling people what they can do before they grant access to their property, you're in the realms of communism and North Korea. You mightn't like it, and I mightn't like it, but that's irrelevant. Because once you start regulating things like this, it won't stop until you have state control. So you're saying it's okay to ask her where she's from, John? And it's okay to ask her where when she plans to have children or if she plans to have children? Whereas Graham's as a landlord, non John, you're not a landlord... I don't think you are. As a landlord, Graham says, no, that's none of my business. None of my business at all. Speaking of state control, says John, I noticed there's a shortage of accommodation for Ukraine refugees, but there's over 70 rooms empty in the Oris, home to a man who's supposed to be inspiring and leading the nation in civic affairs, and a man that we all know you don't like very much, John. But thank you. Oh, 0818 96 96 Couple of more things to get to because we're busy and we've got a chance to clean up some of your correspondence Oh yes, I must do this uh, because if I forget it I'll be in the bad books Please let your visually impaired listeners know that there are tactile packs being sent to participants in the next seen-unseen gallery visit to the Crawford on Friday, 25th November at half two. Participation and tactile packs are provided free of charge to the visually impaired community. And that's from Claire, uh, Claire, Claire McLaughlin, the creator of Seen Unseen. If you're involved in that, involved in the Crawford, you'll know what I'm on about, but they're sending packs out uh, for that next one. 081896. 96.96
0: Access All Areas on Cork's 96FM Your guide to nightlife
5: on Leeside
0: Hi it's Michael with an update on Cork's entertainment Collins on Douglas Street has a busy day in store this Saturday as part of the Jazz with no less than five shows taking place at the venue It's featuring Jimmy Smith Trio Rowan The Hot Blooded Animals Woe Mama and a late silent disco with Yankee versus Keelan Sherlock All shows are free
5: Access All
0: Areas Festival favourites King Kong Company are one of the closing acts at this weekend's Guinness Cork Jazz Festival, with a stomper of a show planned for midnight on Sunday night. The show takes place at Cork Opera House with tickets still on sale from the box office and from CorkOperHouse.ie Access All Areas You can contact us here at Access All Areas if you have a show, play or exhibition coming up, or any live streaming events or gigs by emailing us at AAA at 96FM.ie Access All Areas Your guide to nightlife
5: on
0: the side.
5: 96 FM. I
6: was looking at your Instagram, Shane O'Connell. Why are you still teaching? Good morning. <laughs> Hi Peter how are things? <laughs> a, you are a genius.
14: <laughs> Thanks, and I suppose it's kind of a, a sideline for me at the moment, definitely keeping me busy.
6: <laughs> yeah, we, we've put some pictures up on Facebook and Twitter at the moment. Where did you learn to do makeup like that?
14: um I suppose it's self-taught really to be honest like I kind of always had like a love of Halloween and all that and getting dressed up with friends and family and all that and kind of just started I suppose online like everyone else following certain people and following kind of getting into the creations of other makeup artists and then kind of I suppose having a look at them myself and saying oh I'd love to try that and kind of tipping away myself into in my room I think Covid was kind of a perfect um isolation time to kind of focus on other things like that. So I was kind of spent a lot of time
6: practicing and kind of led me to where I am today then. <laughs> you you'd you lots of time on your hands, as it were. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. But there's so this 3D effects. There's someone whose face looks like they got a smack of a brick. <laughs> so, <laughs> Not so, real. thank God. <laughs> so when you get an idea, like how many hours would go in, take that one where the face has been completely flattened. How many <laughs> hours goes into that?
14: It depends on my mood I think, <laughs> like I'd go upstairs and my roommates would be laughing, they'd be like oh I'll see you tonight, I like could be good coming home from school and I'd be gone for the evening but um, it depends really, like it depends what I've planned and it could take from, usually they wouldn't take me under two hours really and I could be doing them, I've done ones that would take maybe five or six hours in the past so it all oh. depends what I'm doing really. <laughs>
6: and are you your own model or do people volunteer for you?
14: Um, I'm my own model so far yeah <laughs> but um Halloween time is coming now so you never know what might happen um, yeah. I have painted on other people alright, and different events and stuff but primarily it is yeah
6: just myself will there be a queue outside your door when people start <laughs> looking at Shane FX on Instagram <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to keep an eye out the window and <laughs> we'll what, see what, see what the happens kids do. now Look, no one's got that kind of artistic talent that's listening to us I imagine, but for for ordinary for mums and dads who want to do something special uh, next week for for Halloween, yeah. what what basics do they need?
14: Um I suppose like I suppose like myself starting really, I I kind of learned from others, you know, online, YouTube, um Pinterest. Um there's I suppose there's no point in reinventing the wheel, though there's so many step-by-step easy tutorials online that they could follow. Um, as I said, YouTube, there would be like basics. There's no point to overcomplicating things, really. Mm. Um, Following videos online, that would take you step by step through a certain look. Like there's videos for everything today. Like So yeah. definitely I'd recommend, that's from where I started personally, YouTube, Pinterest, kind of basing off that. Um, Like products, you wouldn't really be, there's no need to kind of overcomplicate them either. Like you could get any, I would recommend, I suppose, water kind of activated paints for, especially for children's faces, just because they're kind of easy to work with just mm. need a bit of water water, on a brush and off you go like um,
6: and obviously easy to remove then as well um, yeah, I was just going to get to that like you, you do want them I had an experience a couple of years ago where I was on the, yeah. the Today Show on RTE and they, they persuaded me to go green and I mean entirely oh. green on top <laughs> and I was picking green paint out of my holes for about a week <laughs> right but it came out I always, really easy yeah. You need stuff that will come come off quickly. Absolutely,
14: yeah. I suppose it depends on what you have on in the first place, but there definitely are certain paints that would stick more than others, and I've learned that the hard way, I think. (laughs) Coming into school, a a different shade of a colour than I'd usually be. But, um, uh, yeah, no, like, water-activated is what I'd recommend, and I suppose on a child's face, you wouldn't be hopefully loading too much paint on. Um, I'd recommend, like, if I was ever painting a child, I'd be kind of using more, like, makeup sponges maybe, kind of dipping them into water and dabbing them on the face instead of, you know, plastering the face in paintbrush. Um, So, yeah, anything like that, I'd recommend. Like, simple makeup brushes. There's no point in spending loads of money on a meter. Any of them will
6: do. Um, You can get them anywhere, really, today. Like, they're they're available everywhere. They are. We're, like... Yeah. And... They don't have to, it looks very expensive, but the individual paints themselves aren't, are they?
14: Yeah, like, well, I suppose it depends how much work you're putting into it. Um, From a parent's side of view, I suppose, the paints, you could get them for a few euro a pot, you could get them in, like, Snazaroo would be a good make. You can get them in any Tesco or the range now, or you might get a few in TK TK Maxx, you get them anywhere, like, um, and the makeup, as I said, makeup brushes, makeup sponges. Um, any paintbrush will do for face paint like so again like they're available anywhere any shop local Tesco or any like there's kind of a lot of costume shops open now at the moment in Mahan and in town in the city centre so um, they're not they wouldn't be too expensive at all Um, a few euro you get um, a set of brushes and as, as I said if you had a few different pots of different colours a few of each and you're sorted in and they, they last as well which is a good thing like you can kind of use them
6: year after year then as well you know Excellent Alright well if people want to take a look at your work and maybe try to base their own work on it or do something like it Shane FX on Instagram and we've shared a few of them uh, Keep up the good Perfect. work I, I don't imagine you'll be teaching much longer at this stage <laughs>
14: <laughs> I will they'll be devastated to hear that
6: <laughs> <laughs> No this is great. You, you, you have a gift Shane O'Connell get out there in you Good man, thank you, uh, Shane FX up on Instagram. You'll find him 96. We put them on Facebook and on Twitter. Real, really, really incredible uh, talent. Right, let's look at that um, statement that Bosherin gave us in response to our query on children's fairs, There is no specific school student fare or leap card, says Bosherin. Uh, fares are on the basis of age Child fares apply up to 16 In Cork City the child cash fare is 90 cent It's 65 with a leap card A personalised child leap card aged from 16-18 Can be used to pay for travel at child rates By a child between 16-18 to 18, up to their 19th birthday This will cover most school students There's also a new young adult leap card for the age 19 to 23 and that offers a 50% discount, so getting back to our correspondent whose kids are having trouble convincing the bus driver that they are kids, do you know what the best way around it really the best way around it is just get on and get them Leap Cards uh, I, I wouldn't be without my Leap Card uh, I wouldn't pay cash on a bus to save my life now, because the Leap Card is just so handy and you top it up, but you can top it up now off your phone, which is even better I would suggest, that's what both Aaron tell us, just, they're kind of saying, listen, listen, missus, leave the cash at home. Don't be giving your children the cash go away and get leap cards for them and that'll solve all your problems 0818 96, 96, 96. The Cork Diary on Cork's 96 FM
5: The Cork Diary is a free service so if you're a community group a not-for-profit organisation or you have a fundraising event you would like mentioned let us know and we'll tell Cork all about it email the details to Cork Diary at 96 fmie The Cork Diary with Cork Simon.ie, because everyone who calls Cork Home should have one.
0: Cork's 96 FM. The lines are live.
5: And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96, 96, 96.
0: Text or WhatsApp 083 96 96.
5: Email opinion at 96fm.ie.
0: The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan.
5: On Cork's 96FM.
6: Yeah, and no, that is a big, big, big win for the Irish Cricketers against England Uh, I was messing with Pierce earlier on this morning that I know nothing about cricket Uh, I don't know a lot about but I have friends who are very big into it and and really understand it and love it and one or two of them actually played it in their time Um, and I had my own 21st birthday party I'm reminded at the cricket club not that I ever held a cricket bat in anger in my life I tried bowling, and I was useless at that. So after the first three casualties were taken away in the ambulance, they decided, "Now, nah, Pete, you better off watching us. I'm exaggerating. 0818 96 96 96. The text to WhatsApp is 083 96 96. And the email is opinion at 96 of ie. Speaking of clubs, there's a twist for you. I finally finished the Midnight Club. Uh, It took me about a week I was telling you about it here last week And uh, how I was getting into it And then falling out of love with it And falling back in love with it I think by the time I got to the end of it on Netflix I'd had enough of it But then, two things One, is there the making of a season two? Does anybody think? Is there the making of a season two? Of The Midnight Club? From that last scene and no spoilers? No spoilers at all is there the making of a season 2 and i want to find out more about the actor the actress that played Anya cuz oh, Anya uh, cuz she was brilliant she was the most lovable bitch i've ever seen on television she was great 96, 96, 96. let us go back to something that came up uh, previously on the program that's the subject of tipping and the vintners um vintners were on a boat Asking people to be nice. Dee got in contact. Uh, The Vintners were on it. I talked to Michael Donovan earlier in the week about the jazz festival and the pub trade. And saying, look, be nice to the young staff. Uh, Some of them are only starting out. And they're not experienced. And be be kind to them. And tip. You know, be generous with your tipping if you can. PJ, I heard the Vintners asking people to be nice to new young waiting staff during the jazz a lot of them just starting out in hospitality. I also hope people might be gracious with tips. Most of them are on a very low wage, including, in particular, your food delivery drivers. I recently heard of a table of 25 people leaving a tip of €10 between all of them. That's 40 cents each. My daughter works in hospitality, and the stories I hear are awful. She says 50% of people just walk out without leaving any tip at all. Have you worked...? Have you worked in hospitality? I know that the Queen Bee worked in hospitality for many a long day. She was a restaurant manager and she waited tables and did all those jobs for for a few years. And tipping, is it on the decline? I know I like to tip personally. I don't like this tip jar idea. I don't like this gratuity at the end of the bill thing. I don't like that nonsense. I like to tip. I also like to tip in cash. If I'm paying for my car, for my food with my card, I still like to tip in cash. Uh, D. Good morning.
15: Good morning, PJ. How are
6: you? Good. You've worked a few jazz festivals in your time. It's a great weekend. But it's I a have. Tough one.
15: It is. It's. 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 You know. It's one of the hardest weekends up there on the calendar, with with over Christmas and Patrick's weekend, the jazz weekend is is in that conglomeration as well of really tough, hard, full-on work. Mm. Are
6: you in the restaurant trade, the pubs, or what is it?
15: Um, so, I'm actually a musician, but I worked at both in restaurants and bars and clubs as well for about 15 years. So, yeah. this is actually my first my first jazz weekend in about 15 years, not behind a bar. Um, I'd usually be in the bodega over the jazz weekend. Um, and, yeah, I just really, really want to enforce that, you know, a lot of the people that are going to be working this jazz weekend They're young, they're starting out. Also, hospitality was shut up for nearly two and a half years, so they haven't had busy, busy, busy normal jazz weekends yet. And they're going to be thrown right into the firing line with people who want to be served yesterday, you know. Um, Like, I had a a table about four years ago of 15 people that paid for their meal individually by card, every single one of them individually, and then left me a euro of a tip. Like... (laughs) It took me 15 minutes just to sort their bill out, and that's time that I'm not serving other customers. So, you know, customers can also help staff out. Please buy your drinks together. Don't be individually ordering when you're when there's ten of you, just get one person to order all the pints and please call your stout first. <laughs> oh
6: yes. And as a stout drinker, I always <laughs> call my stout first. I would be the first one to do. But the thing about fifty, like if you if you if everybody wants to pay for their own, that's fine. Nominate one yeah. person at the table to exactly. stick it on a credit card. And then rev it all to them or give them
15: Exactly. Exactly. Like, I don't think that's an unreasonable no, request. You know, you're going off with the rest of your night, and you've got time to, you know, it's going to take you three or four minutes to sort it out between yourselves. But it's going to take a bar person ten minutes, and that's other work that's piling up and stocking up. That that there, you know, there's a domino effect for the server now. Like,
6: yeah, and and I could imagine sometimes people would be a little bit <laughs> sneery when they're doing that. <laughs>
15: Um, yeah, that's 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 a polite way of putting it. You're
6: saying you might, you're, you're saying to me you might very well think that I couldn't possibly comment, but I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Absolutely. Yeah. On the whole, tipping thing, now I, I, I've been saying this repeatedly. I don't like tip jars. I don't like putting a, a thing on the end of the bill. If a person has done a good job for me yeah. and my friends, I want to give them money for themselves.
15: Completely agree
6: with you. You know. I mean,
15: okay. I, I I hate like I've worked in so many places where I I do kind of understand the the tip the tip jar thing because it means kitchen staff aren't getting their tips otherwise, and I don't know of a of a fairer way to do it. But like, we all know that in a team of of twelve, there could be one or two absolutely outstanding services. That are carrying it, and I think it's really unfair that they have to then split their tips with you know lazy Mac, lazy face that isn't doing half the same job. I'm the same as you. I want to personally give the tip to the person who has made my experience nice.
6: But isn't that how people de- traditionally, and I'm I'm going back a bit now, got good at the job? You got good at the job because the better you were, exactly, the more you took home. Exactly, that, like, you know. Exactly. No, I mean I, I mentioned the queen bee. She worked many years ago in a, in a restaurant in the middle of town. She was good at her job, and she often came away mm. at the weekend. And she says, "We're going out tomorrow night. Look at that, you know."
5: On her tip money, yeah. On her tip money,
6: do you know?
15: No, I agree. It's like it's that people people get carried. The 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 people that aren't doing the same amount of work kind of get carried because they're still getting the same. Tips is the person who's just really, really, really worked their butt off in the night, and I don't, I don't think it's fair. Yeah.
6: yeah, yeah. The, 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 coming back to the people who all pay on one card, or they all pay each on on different cards. Yeah. So, you know, the other argument about Mary, hang on now, while <sighs> no, right? You had the dark, you had the Black Forest yeah. cattail, right? That's six quid. Yeah. Now, come on now, Mary, that, that's nonsense about that's wasting your time and wasting everybody else's time.
15: And they're also costing themselves even more because banks charge for every single time that you tap. So like each person has individually been charged a bank fee now on top of it. It's just uh, like I don't mind breaking down a bill if there's only two people there. But really breaking down a bill like in that party of 15, there was couples like and you're like, surely now even just with the couples that you know one of them will pay for the other one no they still individually wanted to pay by card like and I was on my own in the restaurant at the time well I wasn't on my own but someone was on break or whatever there was just someone in the kitchen like so you know I was really really snowballed just from from that 10 or 15 minute delay of just waiting on them when you know it, it could have been over in 60 seconds if they had just paid in one go and, as you said, revoluted it to their friends afterwards or sorted it out between themselves.
6: Now, I know if, if, if someone, for example, in a group is pregnant, it, it's hardly fair for them to be getting a 50 euro bill because their mates across of the course. way had a couple of porn star martinis. But you can sort that out after. You can, like... You know, we've 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 a, we've a pal that we go out with from time to time. He's a chap with a medical condition, and he can't drink. He literally, he literally can't drink. So the rest of us make up for it. But we always just look, just pay for your food, but and have whatever you want. You know, that's we, we sort of It's back to the
15: old common sense, PJ, isn't it? Common sense isn't very common. Like, <laughs> no,
6: no, no. I, I to, to be honest with you, I, I it, it's got to be the hardest, th- most thankless work. That people do
15: 100% like I'm, I'm not going to say where where I was working but like you, you know yourself what, what working with the public is like during during lockdown when it was takeaway only I was working in a place that we had a queuing system for takeaway and then you'd get seated if you wanted to actually sit down or whatever and so I was doing the, the takeaway part and this guy came up and he ordered a, a coffee and a whatever. And then he um, he said, I want to sit down over there. And like this was clear, like there was signs everywhere. There was staff everywhere telling people that this is the queue only, you know, for takeaway. And I said, um, yeah, but there's somebody sitting on that table. And he said, well, I want that table. And I said, well, I'm sorry, they queued for it and they were given the table and this is for takeaway only. And he actually threw a bag of rubbish at me, PJ. He like when I say a bag of rubbish, it wasn't a black bag, but he he had a sandwich bag of like plastic wrapper and a coffee cup from somewhere else. And and he just threw them at the counter at me like, and you're just like, really? Oh, Is there really a need for that kind of carry on? And
6: then I'd I'd refuse. He was doing a bit of a James Corden on it.
15: He'd, he'd walked off at that stage and some of the lads were like, oh, do you want us to go again? And I was like, no, nah, it's fine. Like, leave them go. There's, there's no point in dealing with people like that. Just leave them go on about their day. But like, I, I do really, really feel for for the young ones now this, this weekend, the 18 and the 19-year-olds that won't have had as toughened skin. And, yeah. you know, people are going to shout at them. Like, people are going to be cross at them. It's and like, yeah. just... It's supposed to be give, fun. We're going give, on a night out. Give, if your drink break. takes another two minutes, just, just yeah. give them a minute.
6: Like there's a skill that you know gone. the world
15: isn't on fire, no. like.
6: <laughs> oh, 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 don't start! The, you'll have the you'll have the environmentalists down on top of us. Don't start that, for God's sake! Don't start. That. <laughs> no, but seriously, there's a skill that's gone, unfortunately, right? And I, I miss yeah, it. I agree. But I understand why it's gone, and that's the one where you start at one end of the bar. Okay so I've I've called my pointist out and in the time it's taking you to do my pint you've taken three or four more orders because you can commit them to memory that skill is gone because people no longer 100%. Go behind the bar. We have to accept that that skill is gone it's just an old skill it ain't there anymore
15: I agree like the days of one person running the whole bar of counties and dealing with 300 people that's gone Yeah
6: It's the and skill is gone
15: people absolutely the skill has gone like both my parents ran bars and they would have been those kind of old school bar people that were taking 12 14 orders at a time and whatever but the world has changed that is not how it is anymore and people can't expect that like
6: no, because they've not trained from the, they didn't learn behind, the, behind no. the counter like you did Just lastly in one minute because i got to move on to something and we'll, we'll no continue bothers. the conversation Your advice for people going out this weekend Some of them are like caged <sighs> animals they haven't been out for a couple of years to so a proper jazz weekend Your advice?
11: Uh,
15: smile, have fun and just have it just really really try and extend your patience remember that they're they're young and anyone who is working behind the bar they are trying their best they're doing a really 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 hard job yeah. and you could make the difference between them having an okayish decent weekend and a really really awful awful weekend so please just swallow it whatever you were going to say take a deep breath give it 30 seconds and just wait for your drink order calmly please <laughs> right.
6: okay you're playing music this weekend I take it are you
15: I am I'm in right. Sissy Young's with the Delta Blues on beautiful. Saturday and Sunday beautiful yeah. enjoy Look,
6: very much looking forward I must say enjoy D thanks that's deep power
0: drive home weekdays from four
5: on cork's 96 fm not only is the big drive home the home of the biggest tunes entertainment news and celebrity interviews but it's also the home of the coolest prizes this week on the show i've got a 400 euro Kilkenny designed design gift card to give away every single day plus there's lunch for you and three of your friends at sophie's rooftop restaurant at the dean hotel up for grabs too i think that deserves a woohoo woohoo Find out how to win with me every weekday from four. The Big Drive Home. With Kevin O'Leary, Silver Springs. The new home for Suzuki and Cork. Hybrid has never been so affordable. Call now to ensure January delivery. Corks,
6: 96 FM. Now, menopause leave has to be made available at Bank of Ireland uh, to any employees experiencing menopause-related sickness, which is an interesting development. To will be able to get up to 10 days of paid leave during med- menopause now it's not for everybody uh, it's only those who have like, genuine menopause related ailments or, or, or issues like some people go through menopause with, with no devastating side effects and some people have a hellish time of it for a few years but, but Bank of Ireland are to bring this in um, and it's obviously putting pressure on other employers to follow their lead by offering menopause leave. Caroline Reedy from the HR Suite. Caroline, that is a big development. Morning.
16: Morning. Um, It is, it's a really, I suppose, one that um, is really putting a big spotlight on normalising and showing the necessary support that's required for the area of menopause as part of the natural journey of life that all women will go through. Mm. As you rightly said, for some people, they manage to go through it with no issue. And for others, it can be really life-changing and really uh, traumatic. And the idea of this leave is to provide the support for those that need it um, in terms of being able to go through that you know, blip When they need the support, the support is there for them to be able to take that leave.
6: How how do you monitor who's entitled to it and who isn't, though?
16: I think the principle of this is based on the trust with your employees that, you know, first of all, we've a big body of work done over the last couple of years in normalising the discussion around menopause, because previously people, first of all, weren't aware of the symptoms and weren't aware what was going on for themselves. And we've really done a lot of education um, in relation to making it part of the normal process of life and us being there to support people who have challenges, which is really positive. And second of all, for somebody that is unwell, they would be taking maybe normal sick leave anyway. But this now gives those women that are having specific issues associated with menopause the opportunity to take additional leave and, Mm as you're not going to be everybody but it's really important for those that have a challenge that we're able to provide practical support you know one of the big things now is looking at temperatures in offices you know people working remotely and working from home is a big support it has been very much welcomed for for people who are going through menopause and other challenges like that so this is a further step that they're really leading the way in providing this leave
6: Would it need to be qualified by a doctor's cert or would it just be a case of uh, some leave is certified some leave is not would it be needed to be qualified by a doctor's cert?
16: So because this leave is an optional um, leave that has been provided by some companies, Bank of Ireland being one, it's completely up to them to decide what parameters they put associated with this leave. So they may request, you know, somebody to get certified. And some companies who have introduced this leave and other types of leave, um, you know, they have put the requirement in for there to be confirmation. Another type of leave now that has been introduced um is is the whole area of IVF and providing additional leave for people who are going through that process. Again, part of the journey of life that people, you know, require additional support and some organisations will need that medically um, clarified to avail of the leave and others will not. So I think we're moving, though, to a very positive place Mm. where we're providing the leave to those that need it. And I couldn't see anybody breaching the trust in terms of, you know, this being such a positive um, introduction mm. in their organization that they wouldn't um, honor and respect the intent that was behind
6: it. No, no, I don't believe it's law as yet. The Bank of Ireland have brought it in themselves. You'd be hoping others would follow suit, I think, Caroline.
16: I think um, we definitely are seeing with the introduction, for example, of sick pay coming in in January, that's a statutory leave entitlement that's going to be coming in then. So people will have a legal entitlement to it. These other types of leave that are are being introduced by companies, whether that's compassionate leave, whether that's um, leave linked to IVF or leave, leave linked to menopause, there are additional benefits that are being introduced. And I've always believed that compassionate leave is something that should have a statutory footing. I think the other types of leave, there's normally give and take with the employer, you know, if somebody is going through um, a challenging time, mm. you know, in relation to whatever that part of their life's journey is. Because at the end of the day, if when we do surveys, oftentimes people will say to us well my employer was so good to me when my mother died or they were so good to me when I was going through IVF that they're the things that really build that loyalty and trust that you've you've an employee for life that's going to go above and beyond the call so it's it's so worth it from that perspective because at the end of the day we're all human and people need support at different stages in relation to that.
6: Absolutely thank you for your time there's Caroline Reedy from the HR Suite so Bank of Ireland have brought in menopause leave up to 10 days which She's hoping other companies would follow suit 0818 96 96 give you one more listen to this all this week we've teamed up with Cork Dental Care all the details are on corkdentalcare.com helping you to achieve an award winning smile they're based down there on Union Key and to Mark our week together, we've got a Philips Zoom home whitening kit to give away every day. Customised lab-made gear with six tubes of whitening gel. And we want you to identify who this is. These are little cork moments that gave us a smile over the years.
9: Who's this? If you're not going anywhere, any chance of a fish supper? F***
6: off. Yeah, no. I was kind of saying earlier on, if you don't know who that is... Should you even be allowed over the county bounds into Cork, let alone call
9: yourself a Cork person? If you're not going anywhere, any chance of a fish supper?
6: Oh wait, three. 396 96 96. 96.
1: says,
6: (laughs) I'm not making light of it, but if the menopause only lasted 10 days, shall I be in heaven? You're right, Dee. You're right. Aaron Graham, Um, who was our our first or second call this morning, I can't remember. Uh, Our landlord, who contacted us yesterday uh, when we were talking to Kat about the various questions she was being asked trying to find a new place to live. And Graham contacted us and we chatted about various elements of it. And, and he's kind of one of the first landlords to come forward and talk so openly and so straightforward to us. Kevin says he's one of the best landlord callers I've heard in years. Kevin is one of the only landlord callers we've had for years um, I, I somehow think that um, others would be less inclined to share with us, but thank you 0818969696 a message to the Cookery Cottage well done representing Cork in the RTE show, How Long Will I Live was on last night a great recognition for small business and while we're on the subject of saying go on to people uh, all the boys in St. Patrick's Boys National School on Gardener's Hill Best of luck in skiing a skull in Parquet Cave today. Skiing a skull on? In Parquet Cave today. Best of luck to them. R- where are oh, we? tipping. Uh, as we come into the Jazz Weekend and talking to Dee a while ago, it, look, it's the hardest work you'll ever do. Between that and cleaning toilets, waiting tables, pulling points, it really is am- among the hardest work that you'll do. Uh, tipping is at the behest of the customer. I always tip unless the service was appalling, but there's zero obligation on anyone to tip. Lots of wait staff in Ireland don't even know how to properly serve or clear a table, so it's a bit rich if they think the tip is a definite. And that's from Sheila. I work in hospitality for years. Not once have I ever expected a tip. Thankfully, our hospitality employers offer at least, if not more than, minimum wage and don't require our wages to be topped up. By customers a few times I had Americans telling me if I look after them they'll give me a very good tip every time they're shocked when I say I'm not a prostitute and I work for a set wage and that's from Jonathan I don't get tipped where I work but if I got an extra tenner I wouldn't complain bear in mind this is from one reservation how many tips did someone make that day so stop being selfish we all work hard in our jobs Hospitality workers are no better than others. She should be lucky she gets tipped to begin with," says Michelle. Michelle, you try to do it. It's a dirty, rotten job. I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't want my kids doing it. I wouldn't. My wife did it for years. She wouldn't want our kids doing it. It's hard, hard, and often thankless work. Karina, people are not obliged to give a tip. I always give a tip unless it's self-service. Linda, 50% of people walk out without giving a tip, and what's wrong with that? They order their food and pay for what they ordered. The waiter or waitresses are serving them and getting paid for doing that job. I would never accept a tip for doing a job I'm paid to do. When I pay for a meal or get food delivered, I always tell the person, keep the change. But I wouldn't be tipping or working out percentages. That's what you're doing, Linda. If you say, keep the change, you're tipping. You are still tipping. If you say, keep the change. But cheers. Cheers. Leaving a tip should be optional. What you don't want is the case like it is in America, where you're made to feel obliged to tip, to the point of asking you directly, would you like to tip and what percentage? should be kept in mind that good service with good food should be appreciated in the form of a tip. And if anything, that motivates the waiter or waitress to keep it up. That being said, restaurants should pay their staff accordingly, if possible, rather than reaping all the profits to themselves. I, I, I get there's more of them. There's lots more. Lots, lots more, but I, and I will get to them. I promise. But I need to move on with other stuff, which I'll do next. Jay Coogan on the
0: Opinion Line, Silver Winner, Silver Winner, best news story at the Imro Radio Awards 2022. Juice, Corks 96
6: FM. Been listening to a podcast the last couple of days called Catherine the Fake, and what surprises me most about this, I never heard of this woman, and I never knew. The, 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 the havoc she was wreaking around Munster until Anne Murphy from The Examiner put the story together. It sounds like one and one journal to another. You've been digging at this for a while. Good morning.
3: Good morning PJ. Yes indeed I have been digging on this for a while. Um, It came to my attention about Catherine O'Brien back in April and I've been doing a lot of um, interviewing um, all over Munster Mm. since um, and even into uh, parts of uh, Leinster as well Mm. and through the Midlands. Um, Where is
6: she from? What's she been doing?
3: She's originally from Buttevant. She grew up in Buttevant and would be well known in the area, but she has um, a house down in Dungarvan and Watford where she has been uh, living for many, many years. She's very well known in Watford as well. Um, She would be known as a businesswoman to a lot of people. Um, she started out um, very young um, in floristry um, and since then has been involved in uh, setting up veterinary businesses. And she's also now uh, dabbled in the uh, bloodstock trade as well. Um, but in, in many cases, there have been um, incidents of businesses being set up where um, people have ended up losing money as a result of involvement with Catherine O'Brien.
6: Now, one never asks a journalist to reveal a source, nor would I, but did someone come to you with this, Anne, or how did it land in your desk? It's a fabulous story.
3: It's an unusual one, to be fair. She she appeared done in, um, well, sorry, there was a court case done in um, Watford um, in April, where she was uh, listed as a state witness, Um, in relation to a case where two men were accused of demanding money with menace from um, Miss O'Brien. She was not in court um, for uh, on the date uh, that it came to court and the court was told that efforts to contact her had failed and that she herself was a suspect in a number of live investigations being undertaken by Gardaí. And at that point, um, we decided in the Irish Examiner that it would be worth looking into um, Catherine O'Brien. But at that, that point, I was not aware that... There had been a ruling made in favor of the Criminal Assets Bureau in February, just two months before Mm -hmm. that case, Mm -hmm. in which... um, an application that they had made for to seize a Land Rover Discovery, um, which the which the cab claimed was bought with proceeds of criminal fraud, and um, they were successful in that application. Um, subsequently, Catherine O'Brien did lodge um, an appeal against it, uh, against the judgment uh, made in February, but it didn't proceed. And the court documents um, from that ruling in February um, were Hannah from heaven to research um, to research into Absolutely. her. Into her background,
6: absolutely. Now, at, at the end of each episode, uh, we're told that nobody knows where she is. You've been to see the house in in Dungarvan. You've photographs of it. No, no one seems to know when she was there last. No.
3: Many months ago, um, from what neighbours are telling me, um, she the the house itself, um, is now quite uh, lonely looking. Um, it would have been a house I think that she would have been quite proud of at one point. Um, there are you know uh, lots of plants outside which um now need a lot of attention. The last time I was there, some of the pots with mm. um, under under the plants were falling apart. Literally, green moss was growing, um, on the pathway into the house. Um, to all intents and purposes it's plain to see that uh, nobody is now living there, however there are a number of people um, calling to the house on a regular basis apparently to collect post and to oversee the house itself
6: So someone's keeping an eye eye on the place for her Some of the victims you spoke to they described her as having ruined their lives
3: Yes, uh, one woman um, Nicola Minahan who lives down in uh, Watford She is one of um, the victims who has no problem being identified. She has lost two houses after um, mortgaging them to help Catherine O'Brien purchase business property in Dungarvan. Um, Nicola's background is a very interesting one. She's from an aristocratic background. She was um, born into the Beresford family in Stradbally in West Watford um, into a a beautiful um, estate called Woodhouse Estate. Um, She had two properties in lovely Strad Valley village. Um, and she um, came across Catherine O'Brien through a relative of hers and uh, got to know her through child-minding her daughter for her um, and le- came to consider the relationship as a kind of mother-daughter relationship almost. Uh, she went on holidays to Lapland with, with Catherine and, and her daughters at one point. Um, she has memories of, of you know, nice moments of Catherine kindnesses that she would have shown her but then she looks back and wonders did she really ever know Catherine at all because she doesn't know yeah. what parts of, of what she told her about her life were through and what were not
6: uh, Gardie says she is a person of interest at the moment in a number of investigations particularly into fraud and the sale of horses they don't know where she is you don't know where she is the house in Dungarvan, someone seems to be collecting post and stuff. Is she effectively, and is she listed as a missing person or what's the story?
3: No, she's not listed as a missing person. Nobody has reported her as a missing person. Um, and I do believe um, that a number of people are in contact with her. Um, she doesn't, like, Gardi. do not believe that she has left the country. Now, there is no um, movement on her bank accounts and um, that would have been linked to her, but that doesn't, um, you know, that doesn't rule out the possibility that somebody is sheltering her, that somebody is giving yes. her money. Um, you know, obviously people are calling to her home um collecting, you know, posts and, and things like that. So it, it does appear that while she is... To all intents and purposes, not, you know, and not out there in the ether. It is possible that that a number of people close to her do know where she is, and yes. Gardaí do not believe that she has left the country. So it is quite possible that she is in Ireland, quite possibly in Munster.
6: And, and despite your best efforts and digging and raking over the coals, you don't know where she is.
3: I have spoken to a number of people in recent days, PJ, who who um who are indicating to me her current location, but at the at the moment that hasn't been confirmed.
6: I see, I see. The four, the podcast is in four parts, and there's a couple of different features. Have we more coming in the paper?
3: Yes, <laughs> the digging continues. Um, since Catherine the Fake was uh, released on the Arch Examiner website last weekend, I've had several contacts from members of the public, um, some who were victims of her, other people who would have known her, um, and some people who, who you know, feel that they know where she is um, but that they can't confirm it. But um, at the moment, um, there is still a lot of work going into this investigation.
6: All right, and we may talk again. Are there more episodes or are we sticking with for?
3: there will be more episodes in the coming weeks
6: (laughs) I know you long enough Anne Murphy, you're sitting on more than you're telling me you are
3: (laughs) you know the game (laughs) teacher as well as I do and I know you Anne
6: thank you very much for that, good luck with it it's great work, Anne Murphy, one of the best crime journalists in the south of Ireland and she is tracing Catherine O'Brien if anybody can find her Anne Murphy will Uh, The Examiner has that podcast up, it's on all your podcast platforms and it's in the paper, it's a fascinating story an absolutely fascinating story. Uh, Catherine the Fake, thank you. And right, this bride, Zilla, who wears the, the title with pride, I might tell you. And we might come back to this tomorrow because we're, we're running late, right? This is a woman called Jennifer Wilkinson, okay? There were no kids allowed at her wedding. No phones. No, no social media. Her bridesmaids were told you can only have three drinks because I need you in tip-top shape. Her guests, if they wanted to take a photograph, they had to show it to her and have it approved. And if she didn't like the photo, it had to be deleted. She said you have to be ruthless, strict and tough to get the perfect day. It was my day and I'm going to be the centre of attention no matter what if people aren't looking at you what's the point her new husband is Christopher they met at school and then reconnected in 2015 she had three hand parties one was in Ibiza she insisted on everyone attending at their own expense Uh, oh yeah oh my god this 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 the, 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 the groomsmen had to have black shoes sorry brown shoes No black shoes. If you didn't have one, if you didn't have um, brown shoes, you'd go buy them. No ring, no bring. If you were bringing a guest to the wedding, you had to be married to them. She didn't want your latest girlfriend. She didn't want to be spending her day with just your latest flame. No ring, no bring. Guests couldn't wear white, couldn't wear cream. It's all about me. It's all about me. I swear to God. I swear to God. Even himself... Got given out to. He went off, as you do with your mates a couple of nights before getting married, He was a bit under the weather the following day. So he said hmm. Hmm. he couldn't help with the organization. Ruined my plans, said Jennifer. Oh, if I was Christopher's bed run and keep running. My God, she's proud of it. Proud of it. Oh eight one eight ninety six ninety six ninety six. Right, Charlie, I remember this well. I remember it very well. It's still there, but it's in a fairly pitiable condition, isn't it? The old busman's hut on on, on Patrick Street. No one's used it for years. Morning. Come on, Peter, you? Good. You want something done it was a great piece of there near Father Matthew. It's a great piece of Cork heritage. That's correct, yeah.
4: I mean it was there for for over a hundred years. I mean, survived floods and the Black and then the reformersmen came about, and, and that was the end of
6: it.
4: <laughs> it was cast aside. In
6: and I remember you know up when I was a young fellow there was a there was a kind of a timetable on the side of it, wasn't there?
4: That's right. Yeah,
6: there was. And sometimes written in chalk, and they change it. Yeah, yeah.
4: So I think it was an iconic uh, kind of structure, more than the building, and um, you know, it was something that was there for so long that it was just cast aside. In the end, it was a pity, really, and. It's just, you know, uh, if something could be done just to reinforce it and put it somewhere else that the public could see and ask questions and, yeah. you know, go back in the history of smog, even.
6: Because I remember the his origins, wasn't it, Charlie, that all buses came and went from the statue?
4: More so, or less, yeah, yeah.
6: So yeah. this was kind of a place for the the bus drivers to meet and 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 change in between their shifts, and there was in little office there. And before that, it was a fireman's hut.
4: Well, from what I can like to believe, that's what it was before that as well. Yeah, mm. no, I wouldn't be too much into the history of it, but it was just from the effect of uh, when it was belonged to CAE, at that station. Wow.
6: Mm, at it's that's, that's, that's amazing, and you're right. It make a lovely little coffee shop with with, with memorabilia and stuff. But you remind us that the Taoiseach's dad was a, a bus driver, and in fact, recently at the NBRU conference in Cork, they made a lovely presentation to Mihal Martin with a picture of his dad and an old bus, and all. It was really nice. You, you reckon that maybe Mihal might take a, an interest in it, and and just collect. I mean, like Pad- Paddy
4: Mathias was a. Uh my father, and he was an inspector, and he worked a lot of times inside that 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 uh, that house. And mm-hmm. you know, I mean, there's not many people to could say that they have an ex uh, inspector that that father or that son again. The T-shirt after. it's true,
6: it's true. You, do you, do you don't know when they stopped using it, because I remember I was only a small boy. But when did they stop using it, Charlie? Well,
4: they stop, I think they stopped using it around 2002 when there were refurbishing in Patch oh, at that
6: time. Not that long ago then. Not yeah, that long yeah ago. 20 years ago. be lovely to see something done with that. Charlie, thanks. Uh, just a little bit of Cork history. It's, it, I, you, you look at it now, if you've never thought of it before. It's down there near Father Matthew. There's an old little hut. That used to be where the busmen, for the Royal Men, busmen met, drivers, conductors, used to meet there. Um, and, and Charlie's saying, look, can we do something with it rather than just let it sit there and go to Rack and Ruin? It's a lovely piece of our history. Thanks for that Charlie We might come back to it If we have more uh, more people with interest in this Right where am I going I'm going to Wilson And I'm going to line 3 Linda Hi
9: PJ How are you I'm Just good thanks How are you Any chance of a fish supper <laughs> <laughs> Who's that Roy Keane Roy Keane on
6: the Young Offenders <laughs> classic, yeah. classic episode Alright well you are our winner today With Cork Dental Care you'll have, the, you'll have the, the nicest nashers at the Christmas party
12: <laughs> yeah, the that's brilliant Phillips, Thanks
6: Philip's Zoom home whitening kit is all of yours, put your back on to the lads and they'll give you all the details, how you go about getting it and all that, thanks for that, we have another one tomorrow and I won't be here Friday but they will have another one on Friday as well James from the boys and girls of Knocka says in the UK, there were cabmans huts used by cab drivers they were put to all, all put to other uses with plaques highlighting their history let's do something like that here that would be nice if anyone else can remember that bus shell, I remember it being open I remember there being bus drivers and conductors in, out and around it I remember a little timetable on the side of it that would be made up in chalk and there'd be corrections on it I remember the 7A I remember distinctly the 7A timetable being on the side of, of that hut thanks Charlie, let's see if we can continue that conversation and many more besides. Thank you, Emer. Thank you, Fergal. We're back in the morning, just after nine.
0: The Cork Diary on Corks 96 FM
5: an Autism Awareness Family Fun Day will take place at Kennedy Quay, Cork City on Sunday the 30th of October between 12 and 5 p.m. There'll be face painting, truck pulling, superheroes and lots more on the day and all are welcome to attend. If you have an event you would like mentioned, email the details to Diary at 96fm.ie.
0: The Cork Diary
5: with CorkSimon.ie because everyone who calls Cork home should have one.
0: Cork's 96 FM.
8: When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS.